Blog Talk Radio. Not Kate Smith, but we got to do what we got to do. God bless America to start the show. Welcome to the Fighting Network Wednesday night sports presentation. I'm Don Henderson. We have our normal group of guests on the line to talk sports. And what a nice 
what a night, what a day of sports activity. So we'll get into all of it in just a second. But uh, Frank Cowell, our executive producer, uh, has a dedication he wants to get to first, and then we'll get to the sports of the day. You know, Don, uh, many, many times we walk through the world and we see uh, people, we meet people, and we keep, uh, as um, someone said, we keep the, meet a thousand people, keep a hundred as, as friends, as uh, uh, companions, but only 10 as friends. And uh, those, those, some of those are right here tonight. Uh, one of the persons is, is uh, stepped up to the plate uh, with a very, that sounds very dear and dear to my heart, and that's, uh, uh, Doug uh, uh, Hamilton and uh, had made a big step today to become a father. Uh, it's not often that a, that a person will step forward and, and adopt a child. The other special person in our lives will be his, his uh, son, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Brandon. Uh, you know, everybody knows that uh, their, their child is always the best child. But this kid has got, uh, he's really got a great face. His mom is a, a wonderful person. His dad, it's good, you couldn't do, answer anything better. But Brandon, as I'm told, is an athlete, a student, and just a, a wonderful child. So uh, we're dedicating tonight's program to the Hamilton family, but especially to Brandon and, and Doug. What well, Doug, we certainly so congratulate you and the family. As uh, Roger was about to say, too, we all congratulate you, uh, that's a major decision for a family to make, and, boy, we give you all the best of it and uh, all that we can hope for uh, for the uh, the rest of the lives of your entire family. So thank you very much, Frank, for bringing it up. One other note before we start, a great friend of mine died over the weekend, and I have to make mention of it, former Philadelphia Eagle quarterback, one of the most controversial quarterbacks traded. He went from the Washington Redskins to the Philadelphia Eagles. He played on five different National Football League teams, including Minnesota, played for the Giants twice. 16 years in the National Football League, and uh, his number was retired at Wake Forest. He was a two-time All-ACC player, Nord Sneed. Uh, Nord was a terrific, terrific guy. Uh, he and I were put together in the early days when he came into the Eagles. Uh, our station, uh, uh, Channel 29, at that particular time, uh, got the rights to Notre Dame football. For some of the older folks, you probably will remember, but you didn't get games all weekend long like we have now. <laughs> you only got one game. So uh, in, order to get, in order to get the Notre Dame game uh, or the Penn State game, uh, nine times out of ten you had to wait till Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon for the replays because they weren't allowed to uh, to put it on live as we have today. But Norm Sneed and I did the Notre Dame game, uh, one of the great seasons of all time. They were undefeated. Uh, uh, that particular year, I played Michigan State in the biggest game of the year. Webster was the great linebacker for Michigan State. And Norm Sneed and I got together, and we did the whole season pre and post game for uh, the Notre Dame games and uh, really enjoyed working with Norm, a terrific guy. Had a great career in his uh, National Football League career. Uh, never a super, superstar, but always a major contributor. So to Norm Sneed and his family down in Naples, Florida, uh, all the very best to them. All right, let's Amen. get to the world. He was on the other end of the trade of Christian Adolf Jurgensen. That's what I said. One right. of the most controversial trades the Philadelphia Eagles ever made. Yeah. And that was it. Uh, Jurgensen, of course, Jurgensen McDonald, one of the great parts of the Eagles' a presentation in those days. And, and he came from Washington to Philadelphia, and, and uh, that was the way it went. Let's get down to 
Tampa, Florida right now, where on Monday night they had quite a game for all of us. I, I, I know our leading our leading prognosticator uh, had a little different score in mind for that Monday night game. Uh, a, a guy with a little trepidation normally, but not this time. He was very, very strong in his prediction that the season was going to be over down at Tampa Bay. Roy, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I missed the mark on that one, didn't I? Um, I com- <laughs> You're not alone, Roy. I completely underestimated the ability of the Eagles to quit as a whole on their coach at the most important time of the season. I didn't think that was possible, but it happened. And I'm not going to say that 53 players of the 46 addressed or whatever it was, uh, you know, the, the 40-some that actually played uh, all quit. Uh, I, I don't see any quit in a guy like Jason Kelsey. But at the end of the day, uh, that team as a whole quit on Nick Sirianni. And I'm not sure Nick Sirianni had a very good game plan to begin with. Um, certainly didn't do what I would think most people would do in his situation, which is run the ball right down the Bucks' throats, uh, seeing as how he had, had success with that the first time around. But, um, uh, and look, the Bucks didn't play a great game either. Uh, they let the Eagles hang around for far too long. Um, but uh, I was just shocked, guys, at, at how, how little fight that there was in, in the Eagles. And, you know, if Nick Sirianni is fired, and I'm sure he will be if he hasn't been already, uh, it's, it makes all kinds of sense because you, you can't move forward with that mess. Um, that team is a mess, a mess. And it, it's incredible how quickly uh, it fell apart, really. Um, it really is. We well, talked well, last week about last all the coaching. Super Bowl. All the coaching changes, and we'll go over that a little bit uh, uh, later on in this show as well. Billy Warnedell will join us in the next half hour to talk about it. He was there working the game on Monday night, and unfortunately uh, none of us could be there, and I would love to have been at the game myself, but just couldn't do it. And uh, But, Roger, uh, you and I talked before the game, and then we talked as we got close to halftime, and uh, a couple of friends of mine called and said, turn the covers down, there's no reason to wait for the second half. <laughs> and that was pretty much the story. Well, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, I was uh, working over at uh, Margaritaville, and I figured I don't even uh, care about it. I, I figured that this is exactly what was going to happen. Uh, you could see it uh, turn uh, um, a month ago, six weeks ago, uh, that this team uh, was uh, losing faith in not only Sirianni, but uh, the uh, both the defensive side and the offensive side. And, uh, you know, it's basically they uh, put the – the flag up when they made the change to Matt Patricia. Uh, you know, you just don't do that. And uh, the players have been very vocal about that move. And uh, that's why I just think that uh, uh, it's over with, it's done. Uh, whatever happens is, uh, you know, going to happen and uh, uh, move forward. But it's hard to believe that one year ago this team was getting ready for the NFC Championship and then a run at the Super Bowl and almost won because this is not that team, not even close. Roy, as you indicated in your opening comments, uh, when we talked about Kelsey and uh, 
I'm not talking about the I'm not talking about the movie star now. I'm talking about <laughs> the Eagle lineman, and you could tell how much it meant to him because all during the fourth quarter, I mean, uh, he was basically in tears. And uh, after the game, he went around to so many of the people on the field and uh, shook their hand. And now, formally, has not announced that that's it. He's going to retire. He, you know, but uh, they said it enough times to different players in the clubhouse, and uh, I think you're exactly right. Uh, Roy, I mean, he it just meant so much to him, but to go out with a game like that was just overwhelming. Yeah, and I think he was overwhelmed by it uh, as well. It's pretty obvious that uh, he made a, a he, he probably made a decision before the playoffs started that this would be his last run, and wherever the playoffs, uh, you know, however far the Eagles went in the playoffs, uh, one game or all the way to the Super Bowl, and you know, if they could win it, uh, that would be it. He would go out on top, but. Uh, uh, I, I think he was probably uh, incredibly moved and maybe a little shaken by the fact that, you know, it ended so so horribly. Um, and and that, that may be why he hasn't announced it yet uh, officially. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe he's having a second thought saying, I, I can't go out on that note, uh, of all notes to go out on. I mean, I think he probably would have rather gone out on a bad season, on a, you know, 6 and uh, six and 11 season rather than uh, to, to, to have been a part of a – an effort or lack of effort like that, I think, uh, I think he probably, uh, you know, maybe is sort of rethinking that. My guess is he'll probably retire at the end anyway, but um, it just, you know, I, I could understand it if he decided, Hey, I, I can't let that be the last thing I do in this league after, you know, such a great career, hall of fame, you know, worthy career and he will be a hall of famer. So, uh, you know, I think he was just absolutely shocked by it. And, um, and 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 disturbed by it as everyone should have been, you know. Jalen Hurts looked uh, completely lost on the sidelines. Um, you know, it's uh, and I think, you know, again, I just think they we go back to the to the whole game plan. I mean, you got a quarterback with a you know who's not a hundred percent. He threw the ball fine. He he did fine. Jalen Hurts was you know better than advertised uh, going into that game. But at the end of the day. Um, you know, say what you want about the Bucks. you know, what, fifth ranked in the NFL in defense against the run. Um, they're not that strong against the run. And the Eagles showed it. When they ran the ball, they were effective. They just didn't run the ball. Um, and, uh, again, I think Nick Sirianni had a horrible game plan. Um, you know, he, he, if he, or maybe he abandoned it too soon. I don't know which one, but, uh, both were mistakes. Uh, and, uh, they should, they should have, uh, you know, you go into the second half and you're still, you're still in the game. As bad as you were in the first half, you still had a chance. You just had to keep the Bucks' offense off the field uh, because you clearly weren't going to take the ball away from them. Um, so again, I was just, you know, stunned by, uh, by, by, by the, the approach that the Eagles took in this game, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Roger, we talked about it uh, during, of course, the early part of the game, and uh, we talked about it last weekend on this particular show, the number of coaching availabilities now, uh, six, I think, we're talking about at the moment. I checked the wires just before we came on the air to see if there had been any major announcements, whether any of the fourth further coaches were fired or, you know, whether Seriani is still there. Uh, I don't see anything or any indication that any announcement is going to be made tonight. Maybe you guys did. Roger, did you see anything? No, no, but I just want to follow up uh, about Sirianni. Uh, number one, he never called plays uh, as an assistant uh, when he was with the Colts. 
And uh, he did call plays uh, early on in his tenure with the Eagles, and then it was turned over to Shane uh, Steichen. And um, and, and the, the loss of those two coordinators definitely played a major impact in the demise of the Eagles. And the defensive uh, team uh, has definitely been very vocal uh, about what went on, uh, number one, with the uh, new defensive coordinator and then the replacement. They didn't like that at all. But um, this, uh, what, uh, Brian Jordan, I think, he's buddies with uh, Hertz and, uh, for, you know, for years. And uh, he was definitely not the right guy. But it just goes to show you that um, Sirianni, uh, and I agree with a, a lot of people, uh, he is a, a great uh, front man when things are going well but cannot adjust to when things start to fall apart, and that showed in his leadership. Uh, I saw today uh, in one of the uh, publications uh, from Philly uh, that um, the money for some people is on Mike Rabel. I think that would be a great uh, pick. I think that would uh, bring stability and turn things around. Um, they, they've never gone for an offensive or a, a defensive coach. Uh, they've never uh, hired a, a head coach with that uh, was previously a head coach in the NFL. So this would be something new. But I think younger guy uh, has a great track record. I think he's a terrific coach, was a great player. I think he's the right guy for this team. Well, let's go over some of those. As Roger just indicated, uh, let's take the biggest name first. And that, of course, the uh, – the coach of the uh, New England Patriots that was fired, Bill Belichick. Uh, there's some speculation of a number of places that he may go. Uh, first of all, Roy, what would you, what would be your assessment of Bill Belichick? Well, uh, you gotta, I think you gotta judge and see where his heart is. Um, you know, how badly does he really want to coach? How badly does he want to, does he want to prove that uh, the last two years, in particular, maybe the last three? Yeah, probably the last three. You know, we're not, um, you know, we're not what he is as a coach, that he's not just, uh, that he didn't just benefit from having Tom Brady as his quarterback for all those years. Um, you can make that argument. Um, so I think that's how you got to judge that, because if he's available, and I, I agree with Roger, Mike Vrabel would be certainly one or two on my list, but I, I suppose I'd have number one. It would be uh, Bill Belichick for this team in particular because they're ready to win. I, I don't think there's bad talent here. I don't think it's a matter of talent. I just think it's being horribly utilized. And uh, so I think if Bill Belichick is interested in the Eagles job, uh, boy, I'd, I'd, I'd be on him immediately. And if he's interested in continuing to coach and, and really has a passion for it still, uh, he would be my number one choice, followed by Mike Vrabel. Um, I don't know – that I mean, I, I think I said it last week, guys. I I don't see um, Pete Carroll coming east. I think he's going to stay on the west uh, coast. Well, he's still an employee and, too. But the uh, Seahawks are still he's still an employee of the Seahawks. He's going to be in, yeah, uh, well, his title as advisor. Uh, I don't know. Where right. Yeah, legally, that can change I, quick. Exactly, that can change quick. And I, you know, we'll see if he if that's what he wants to do. Maybe, maybe he's ready to ride off into the into the sunset. Maybe he is, and, and this would be one way to do it. Uh, Bruce Arians did that, you know, with the Bucks. And uh, so, you know, maybe uh, maybe some of these older coaches have decided, hey, maybe it's not a bad way to go. You know, I had my run. Uh, take some of the, you know, take some pressure off, uh, relax a little bit. 
stay involved in the game. That's that's one way to go about it. But if I'm the Eagles, I think there's two choices right now. It's Belichick or Vrabel because I think you've got a team that's ready to win, and you need a coach who's proven he can win. And to me, in my opinion, uh, those are the two guys at the top of the list. I think one of the things you touched on at the top, uh, Roger, was the fact of age. I, My personal feeling is that going backwards, I know Belichick's got a great record, great track record, and so forth. But I would I would be in favor of Brable only because I think he needs newer and younger people. I don't think he go I don't think he can go backwards. Yet uh, somebody seventy one years old, no matter where, no matter where he decides to coach. But uh, well, so, uh, go ahead, Don. You're you're exactly right. And and uh, listening to uh, what's going on in the Eagles uh, locker room, uh, where uh, Cox and uh, Graham and the senior uh, members that were in the Super Bowl, the winning Super Bowl, okay, oh, they're respected, but, okay, they're the uh, previous generation. And that's why I think it takes – those guys are going to be gone. And now you're going to have pretty much a much younger team, nothing like the Packers, but uh, you're going to have a younger team, and I think you've got to have a younger guy as the coach. And I don't see a 71-year-old man – no matter how great he is, I do not see him, uh, and I think that was one of his problems in New England relating to the way these players are today. I mean, it's a different world today, my opinion. No question. And the Steelers uh, coach already announced today that, uh, you know, he's definitely come back to fill his last year of the contract with the Steelers, and he was not thinking about retirement regardless of what uh, people may have written or said. Uh, as of today, uh, his latest comment was that uh, he expects to be right where he was this year, and that's coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Roy, uh, before we jump off this and go to another topic, uh, of all the other candidates in different areas, who leads up in your mind? Is Harbaugh one of the leaders? Is is somebody else one of the guys that you think uh, is almost an automatic to get one of these jobs? You know, I, I think there's I think there are so many good candidates that it's hard to say anybody's automatic anywhere. The, the other thing you got to remember here is Mike McCarthy might be available, and you know that may not be the guy at the top of your list, but you know he's he's won wherever he's gone. Um, maybe he doesn't win you know enough for for some, but he wins more than others. Um, so if you're looking for experience, you know that's a guy uh, to certainly look at. So you know. It's interesting. It's an interesting group this year because I think a lot of teams were ready to kind of make a move with some of the younger coaches. I mean, I've heard Raheem Morris's name mentioned uh, a couple of times, uh, you know, already, and uh, there's several other uh, coordinators out there that are, you know, certainly getting uh, interest. Um, but you know, I think names like Belichick, Rabel, and, and McCarthy trump them all if you've got a team that you think is ready to win. Now, if you're rebuilding. Um, that's a different deal, you know, but uh, right now we're talking about, you know, the Cowboys aren't rebuilding. They're ready to win. Eagles aren't rebuilding. They're ready to win. Um, So, and, you know, so let's see where this all goes uh, because I think you've got several teams out there that, uh, that feel that they're, they're right there. And some of the coaching decisions have been a surprise already. And there may be some more surprises along the road. So, you know, let's see where everything goes. Well, one of the things about the Bears, they're speculating again, they're going to take that number one draft choice for a quarterback. I mean, they're taking that number one draft choice for enough quarterbacks. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> Roger, yeah. Roger, anybody Here's you an see idea. is a 
Well, well there's, uh, there idea. was talk. Go ahead. Go ahead, Roger. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead, Roy. That's fine. I, I was going to say, you know, there's a guy out there. Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably worthy of a number one pick overall, uh, especially if you've got a quarterback uh, like the, the like the, uh, the the Bears do. And, and are you going to completely ignore the fact that, you know, Justin Fields seemed to find himself a little bit here in the last uh, – uh, last half of the season, maybe he's not playing at the same level that C.J. Stroud is, or that you know Love is, but you know those guys got a little bit on him. Uh, so you know certainly Love's got experience on him in terms of at least being in the system for a little bit. Uh, you know, look, I don't think the kid's a bad quarterback, and I just I, I just think it's a it's a losing proposition when you just keep changing quarterbacks every two years. You know, you go from Trubisky to, to Fields, now to, to who's the next guy. Um, you know, you, you, again, it's just there's no guarantee with the quarterbacks. And uh, maybe you ought to just build around that guy and, and, see, if, and see if that works. Well, well, before we run out of time with you, Roy, let's, uh, let's uh, double up here a little bit. Billy Warnedale's on the line a little early, so let's bring the, uh, the bunch of us together here. Uh, Billy was in the press box. Uh, he was right there with Merle Reese and uh, broadcasting a game on Monday night. Billy, before you start, the one thing you told me last week, and I'll tell you, if anybody around the country is listening to Billy Warnell, and we'll give you his uh, credentials in just a little bit, Billy is Billy is straightforward. And the first thing Billy said to me last week, I, me, I overestimated the value of these players on this team in 2023. <laughs> Billy, is that what you told me? Absolutely, Don. I, I looked at going into the season. They had the best it looked like on paper, and you know what you can do with paper. You can throw it in the trash can. <laughs> best team on paper going into the season. Of course, that did not play out, especially down the stretch where they embarrassed themselves. Uh, I mean, from top to bottom, uh, the general manager, uh, the head coach, uh, the players. It was embarrassing. They lose to Drew Locke in Seattle, uh, a second-string quarterback, and then you have a situation. Uh, they, they, they go to uh, Dallas. They, get, uh, they go to New York. They have New York at home, and they lose uh, almost lose that game, an intercepted by Ringo. Then they get embarrassed by the Arizona Cardinals, who won three games going into that game. And then at the Meadowlands, they looked awful, awful against the Giants who had their cars packed and ready to go. So you Hmm. tell me, it's an embarrassment, this football team this year. Look, it's one thing if the expectations weren't so high, but people thought they'd be in the running to go back to the Super Bowl. I know it's tough to go back, but they didn't go back. They went backwards. Right. Let me throw one thing at the three of you. We'll start with you, Roy. At the end of the training camp this year and the season opening up, everybody is putting all kinds of accolades over the general manager. So, oh, he got he got a, a player out of, out of Georgia that's going to take over the defensive line. He's going to be the player of the next 10 years for the Philadelphia Eagles. They made a, They got a long-term contract when nobody else got a contract with their quarterback for $10 million. I mean, they were given all these accolades for all these things that they did right, and it turned out to be wrong, Roy. 
Well, I, I, I don't I, – again, I don't think the personnel is wrong. I still think that this team has an immense amount of talent. This is still the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. It's not missing many pieces from that. But what is what 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 was missing at the end clearly was some kind of drive, determination, a will to win. Um, you know, all that was was gone. And and the the mystery is where did it go? How did it disappear? What happened? Because halfway through the season, it still looked like the Eagles. They weren't playing well, but we figured, okay, they'll they'll figure it out. Halfway through the season, you thought it's going to be the Eagles and the 49ers in the, in the championship game, as long as the Eagles can get things straightened out. And everybody figured they would. That's the thing is, I mean, look, I, I, told, you, I told you guys this story before uh, about Simeon Rice the year after the Bucks won their first Super Bowl, uh, and, uh, and they were having such a struggle, much like what the Eagles, you know, did this year. And about, you know, two-thirds of the way through the season, we went to Simeon Rice at one point and said, you know, what's happened here? And he said, man, some of the guys on this team are still waiting for the rest of the confetti to come down. They never moved on. They never stopped celebrating. They never stopped. You know, they rested on their laurels, so to speak. And I, I think, you know, despite the fact that you've got absolute pros on that team, I think Jalen Hurts is one of them. Kelsey's clearly one of them. Cox. There's others. Um it just seems like a good chunk of the guys on this team weren't mature enough to handle winning at the highest level. And and they didn't win the Super Bowl, but they got there. And I think they just felt like, you know, instead of taking that unfinished business uh, approach, it was kind of left as, uh, well, you know, we, we've got, we've got it, it's, it, you know, we, we just, I don't know. It's kind of like they just decided, okay, we're as good as we think we are, and all we got to do is throw them the helmets out there and win, and and that's and that'll do it. And it wasn't it. Roy, Roger. You've made a very good. Go ahead, go ahead, Billy. Roy, you, you made a very good point about just throwing your helmets out there and play. The one thing that bothers me about the Eagles, and Javon Hargrave said it best. He was a free agent, went to San Francisco. He said the practices were a lot different in San Francisco than they were in Philadelphia. I think you have to work guys in practice. You can't go through half speed, three-quarter speed, especially against the blitz, because the blitz will tear you apart if you're just going half speed in practice. Then you have to really rev it up uh, for the game. I, I really think that this team is not conditioned right, I mean, when you look at Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, they were playing at a high level early in the season. They disappeared right. the second half of the year. They couldn't tackle mm-hmm. me in a phone booth. <laughs> right. That's true. Roger. You know, you're right about the blitz. And, and that brings up another thing, and I'll leave you guys with this. This is my last thought on this. Well, I mean, I'm sure we, we'll talk about it, you know, going forward. But it's, 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 it's not very often that Todd Bowles outcoaches another coach in the NFL. But he absolutely outcoached Nick Sirianni. You know, he brought the blitz consistently, which should have been a, a big red flag. Uh, you, you, uh, the Eagles never should have allowed that to happen. Again, refused to run the ball, refused to take advantage of, of, of the over, you know, some, somewhat over-aggressive nature of the Bucks' defense, which, you know, you put yourself in all kinds of – Danger, but they didn't have a play for that. I don't remember seeing a hot receiver 
on a blitz. Does anybody else? I mean, I'm sure there was one there, but uh, you know, I don't remember seeing a hot receiver. I know one doesn't hit very often. Um, no outlet passes, nothing in the flat. I mean, it's just like they had no plan whatsoever for Todd Bowles, who is just, you know, Captain Blitz. Let's face it. I mean, it's what he does. It's, it's his only trick. And uh, they just had no answer for it. So that's another, to me, just a damning indictment of, of Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff is the fact that if you get outcoached by Todd Bowles, boy, that's hard to do. That's real hard to do. That, that almost makes you wonder, it's like, what were these guys doing for the week leading up to this game? Were they, did they sleep in? What, what did they do? Because they, they sure as heck didn't put together a, a, a winning game plan. Roy, thank you very much as always, and uh, appreciate you staying a few extra minutes with us to get on with Billy as well. Roger, you're up there. Okay, have a great week, Roy. Uh, Thanks, Bill, guys. You know, appreciate it. We'll do it again uh, next week. Absolutely. Take care, uh, Billy. Uh, the you were there. Uh, what what's your analysis? I expressed mine earlier about what's going on in that locker room. Number one, the defense was uh, uptight about the change of uh, DC. Matt Patricia's – I don't think he ever really called any uh, plays because Belichick was doing that defense. And then he was a disaster at Detroit. I do not understand why that guy ever got hired and put in that position because bad as the defense was previous to him, it got worse. And has do you think Hurts has regressed where he, can't, he won't come back or do you think there's still a lot of talent there with him? He has a lot of talent, all right, but he leveled off this year. I won't say he regrets. He leveled off. Had 20 turnovers this year, which is a, a red flag. I, I mean, you look at the total body of work of this football team down the stretch. The week before they played Tampa Bay, what did Wink Martindale and the Giants do against the Eagles? They blitzed. You would think after that game that they would realize you have to do something to adjust to the blitz. They did not do that at all. And that's mm. mind-boggling. I mean, I, I just look at this franchise right now. How can you bring the coach back that had such a disastrous run at the end of the year in a negative way? These players believe in Nick Sirianni? That's the big no. question right now. Yeah. Do they believe yeah. in him? That's the big question that Roseman and Lori have to make after they have the meeting with, with, with Sirianni. Because I've talked to so many people in the last 24 hours, 48 hours, and they've said they've never seen a collapse of this magnitude. Never. No. All right? The three really of us never have. Yeah. You know, they bring up Cotite, but Cotite's team was not – they might have made right. the playoffs, but they weren't a team that people said, hey, this team's going to be in the Super Bowl next year or, or be in the NFC Championship game. At the very least, the NFC Championship game. They couldn't get out of the first round of the playoffs. Give me a break. Right. And it was a disaster then. Look, well, what, what do you think, you Billy? You bring, you bring up a good point, Billy, in the fact that, I mean, don't you learn from the week before when you see what the Giants did, and uh, even with all the conflict with their defensive coordinator, too, 
who uh, got into a shouting match with their head coach and walked out. But, I mean, don't when you see what Martindale did, don't you realize that that same thing may happen to you the very next week with Todd Bowles if you don't make some adjustments? No question about it, Don. No question about it. I, I, again, it's mind-boggling to me. And as I said at the outset, I overestimated this roster. You know, again, paper's great for the wastebasket. You have to do it on the field of play. And they have a lot of age on this team. Kelsey's talking about he might reconsider not retiring, even though he told teammates he's retiring. Brandon Graham wants to come back for another year. You have Darius Slaves, 33 years old. You have Bradbury, who's missed a, uh, has lost a step or two. Uh, Kevin Byard, uh, their safety is uh, north of 30. Maybe I've got a lot of age on this team. And Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow were on the scrap heap. Two linebackers, they don't emphasize linebacking play in this league. And that's so important. Look at the good teams. The Ravens have good linebackers. The 49ers have good linebackers. The teams in advance have good linebackers. The Eagles think that they can put a, a Band-Aid where a tourniquet's necessary, and it's not going to work out. T.J. Edwards, they didn't even offer him a contract. He signs with the Bears and he's a pro bowler. You tell me how that happened. Hmm. Roger? Well, it was like you said about Hargrave, you know, going to San Francisco and making the statement that just the operation and the practices are totally different uh, than Sirianni's. And, you know, uh, what about, you know, the thought process about Sirianni never – we knew he never called plays uh, before he got hired as the uh, head coach. And then he relinquished that early in his uh, first year, and they made the playoffs. And, of course, Stipen uh, was in charge, and, um, uh, and, and then we had the defensive coordinator, uh, Jonathan, uh, you know, that's with the Cardinals. Yeah, and, Gannon, uh, Gannon, Gannon. Yeah, Gannon. And uh, so what do, you, what do you think about their choice of replacements, even though it was in-house? Because – I, I'm I like not impressed Brian with Johnson. either one. I, 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 I like Brian Johnson's hire. I didn't know that okay. much about Sean Desai. You know, I, I would have gone a different direction. They wanted Fangio, but he got the job in Miami uh, when Gannon left. And that was a real bone of contention with the Eagles because yes. they thought yes. Gannon was going to come back. and They lost Fangio to, to Miami. But, you know, I, I just look at this operation. And, and say to myself, where are they going? What is their direction going forward? I mean, Lane Johnson's long of the tooth. Jason Kelsey's long of the tooth. You can't keep bringing back aging veterans. You looked at that game on Monday night. Vita Vea, the big nose tackle, just controlled Jason Kelsey. Threw him around like a rag doll, all right? And... When that happens, you got to start wondering how much this guy well, has we, we passed. We passed this around in the first half hour of the show, too. And now, if you're Howie and you're looking down to make a change, if they decide that Sariani is not going to be the guy, and he still has one year remaining on his contract, and so does McCarthy down there in Dallas, he still has one year to go. And whether Jerry's going to, you know, unload that or not, I don't know. Nobody else does either except Jerry. But, uh, 
if you're looking at if you're in that spot, if you're in Howie's spot right now, do you look at the potential list of coaches on the on, do you look at Belichick at seventy one and say you want to bring him into Philadelphia and have him coach his team because maybe they won't win for one year? Or do you want to get a younger coach? You know, you want to get a guy that's just gonna be come in at thirty four or thirty five years old and coach a team for the next ten years or fifteen years if you've got the right guy. Kind of lean towards the guy that just got let go by the Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel. Yeah. Right, that's right. We all do. Now, we all. That's exactly yeah, right. We all do. Yeah. I, I I look at Belichick. Has he lost the edge as a coach? That's the question I have. Can he regain that mojo that he had when the Patriots were sailing along with Tom Brady and company? Can he do but that? But for how long, Billy? Let's say he does get his mojo back for next year. Is he going to have for the next four years or five years when, when the well, Eagles are going to? If he has a quarterback and he has a roster that's constructed properly, yeah, he could stick around. Absolutely. As long as, you know, he feels as though that the roster's there that can get him on a consistent basis to the championship game and the conference and every couple of years to the Super Bowl and not bounce in the first round of the playoffs. Roger? Well, I think that uh, his buddy uh, Nick Saban, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, made a great statement by retiring. I think he's 71 too, isn't he? Uh, same as yes. Belichick. What's wrong with and, 71 years old? I mean, oh, I, I'm listen. so tired of people saying, oh, he's 71, he's 75. He, he's a Look, if a guy can coach, he can coach, damn it. I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, I, I hate this age factor, age factor. If a guy's a great coach, he's going to continue to be a great coach. I mean, I, I believe right now, if you called Dick Vermeil up, offered the Eagles job, I guarantee for two or three years, you know, Dick is fast approaching uh, the 9-0 number, all right? But I think he could do it. Believe me. He would. He I, could. I <laughs> You're Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if I, anybody I could do about, it, it's him. I don't worry about age with a coach. Still has a desire to go out there and coach up the players. I take a shot at the Belichick. All right? And even a Pete Carroll, who I'm not the biggest fan of. These guys have won. That's what you want. Winners. Winners. He's the same age, too. He's 71 also, Bill. He's the same age. Right, exactly. But they win. All right? Yeah, and I, 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 to be honest, I think with, with Saban, I think it's all the way college uh, football and sports is changing with the portal and all this stuff. Where, well, you know, you recruit. You, you can talk about the portal, the NIL. Blame the NCAA for that. Roger, the great oh, people at the NCAA, they are the ones that drop the ball, okay? Yeah. And, you know, coaches are, are tired of this because they have to re-recruit their players every day, all right? But blame the NCAA. The guy that should be in a penitentiary is Mark Emmer. He did nothing, did not nothing to say, hey, we got to get a middle ground here. It's coming. Let's find the middle ground. All right? I don't want to bring up Sonny McCare all the time. Sonny has got calls from both sides of the aisle in Congress. 
He hasn't got a call from the head of the NCAA. Don't you think they should call and try to find that middle ground, that this is not a total boat race? Well, obviously what they've done so far, Billy, has been a disaster. I mean – Disaster. You can't, you can't be, you can't be bringing in. Look at, look at prime time out there. He, he comes in and he throws out what forty or fifty players. I'm gonna bring in forty or fifty Don, new Don, players. What? You, How can you run a program like that? Don, let me tell you something. And this is the NCAA's problem. If you offer a kid a scholarship, all right, not for one year renewable, four years, four years. He gets hurt, you're on the hook for those four, four years. If he's academically eligible, you can ask him to leave school. But these are one-year renewable college scholarships now, which is absolutely a farce. Roger, it, it is, and and there were they working with uh, the numbers and uh, you know where the allowable and all this stuff. But uh, you know, bringing up uh, primes, uh, there was one spe- uh, t- uh, speculation that he could go to the Cowboys and turn them around. What do you think about <laughs> that, Bill? <laughs> Roger, you got spoken to that wacky tobacco tonight, are you? No, not me. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I read, what a guy, a guy uh, posted. I thought it was crazy. <laughs> well, did he, uh, did he win a championship at, at Colorado this year? No, no. All right. He had his glory days the first two games of the season. That was the end of his year. That that was it. Exactly. And, and, you know, let's see what he can do for a couple, three years before we start talking about prime time being the the next head coach of the Cowboys. (laughs) But, look, I I wouldn't put anything by Jerry Jones. Put anything by Jerry Jones. He he can do something really off the wall. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he's that, I don't think he's going to go that crazy. I I don't think that's going to happen. I I hope at least I hope it doesn't. I I can't imagine that happening. I mean I know he's a little confused right now as to what he wants to do, but uh, holy confused. smokes! Well, he's the general manager, is he? He makes yeah, the general health. manager and owner. Owner, he owns everything, right. so he can do whatever right. he wants to do. But, you know, right? That's I don't know. I, 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 as you said, it's the whole thing, the whole program has changed so much in all of sports right now. And and, uh, and now that the, the the National Football League is going through the same thing, just like putting that game on uh, on a pay for scale. Here you are paying for all these I games. I would never. If somebody gave me the money to play for Peacock on Saturday night, I'd have given the money back and give them five dollars more. Because I will not watch anything on Peacock, Apple, or Amazon. Now I really did that, that this week. This time last week, I said exactly the same thing. They can charge you two dollars and fifty cents, give you a free month, all that stuff. I wouldn't pay twenty. I wouldn't pay one cent. Not if they paid me twenty dollars to watch it, I wouldn't watch it. So well, I, I, agree I don't. I don't. I, must, I don't care I where the commissioner the goes. I yeah, that's right. The radio with Kevin Harlan. No big deal. Yeah. And you know how much money? How much money can he? It, it's getting so greedy now. How many betting commercials are we on the pregame shows? God, look, the, we, we saw it last year with the Atlanta Braves and a couple teams in baseball had advertising on their uniform. That yeah. is the next avenue of more revenue for the 
NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, and basketball. It is coming, Don. It's going to look like NASCAR. <laughs> no, well, you're, right, you're right, Bill. And I'll tell you what I heard this afternoon uh, The uh, uh, on the uh, Chris Russo show. He had uh, um, the uh, former uh, uh, Mets uh, general manager, um, Steve Phillips. They were talking about it looks like Amazon is going to bail out the, uh, what is it, the RTN, you know, uh, the uh, these regional networks. And I know oh, yeah, it does oh, yeah. not affect, yeah, it doesn't affect Absolutely. you up there. I would love to sink their teeth into that. No yeah, question well, about it. it. Makes sense. And, and that's but they're also happen. saying that ESPN, I talked to you, Roger, about the ESPN is going to merge with the NFL and become a, yeah. a, a major major portion of the National Football League. Now, now remember, and the news will be controlled by the NFL. That's right? right. That's what's happening. The news will be controlled by the NFL. It's going to happen well, in all major sports. Yeah, well, they had said that Major League Baseball uh, was going to try to get into the uh, – yeah, or they thought they had something going about the RTNs. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, Amazon is in there, and it looks like they're making the deal. Um, but you're right about the NFL. I'll tell you what, I think Howard said it on Saturday. The NFL is the world's Howard largest who? corporation. Howard who? Uh, how, you know who it is. About, I, well, I agree with what he said. I mean, the NFL is say? the world's largest corporation. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's not a that's not a revelation, is it, Roger? No, no, not at all. I, not I mean, at all. They they are the people that dictate everything today in yeah. sports. I mean, you know, if they want to play a game at one thirty in the morning, they will play a game at one thirty in the morning. All right, simple as that. The NFL dictates the television. I mean, yeah. Well, let's go to one other. Let's let's uh, let's jump off that for a minute, Billy, before we run out of time. It's ten minutes up, and and I know you, we keep you longer than we say, but uh, let's go back to the National Basketball Association. Now they're going to put that championship series in the middle of the season again. The commissioner says, I, I don't know what that was supposed to have done for the NBA. And how about the Seventy Sixers? Now is their big guy MVP? Is he going to stay healthy? Can he play? Oh, he come plays- on, Don. I mean, he's missed 10 games already this year. I mean, come on. you got to play games. you have to play at least 65 games to, to qualify for the MVP. You think he's going to play 65 games this year? <laughs> no. He's trying He's trying not to. Yeah. Right. I mean, come on. I mean, look. look. The, they, they just made a big deal, the Pacers, uh, with Toronto. Sixers got to do something. They've got to upgrade their roster to stay up with the Joneses. Well, the Knicks, the, the Knicks, made, the, the Knicks made a great deal with Toronto. They, they made a great deal when they picked up that uh, that uh, defensive offensive guard that he's played great since Benobi, he came Benobi, down from Toronto. Benobi, yeah. Right, Benovia. Yeah, he's playing great. But the problem but with them right now is they've got two guys on the bench. You know, they got they got the former Villanova players. Are all hurt. They're both hurt. But, Bill, you know, the what, uh, go ahead, and then we'll talk about Sorry, one Roger. positive. Sorry, Roger, uh, no, I was just going to say one positive in Philadelphia sports is the Flyers seem to have turned it around. 
and they're back. Well, hopefully they can sustain it. It's about sustainability. Can they get the playoffs? That's the key. Even if they're the last seed in their their conference, they get in the playoffs. That should be their goal, get to the playoffs. Yeah. And anything yeah. can happen. You're right. Well, but, uh, down here, fellas, down here, we didn't but get a chance to talk to Roy about it tonight. I want to do it. Uh, what was it, 600 wins for Cooper uh, over the weekend? Uh, I think the third quickest time of any coach in, uh, you know, that's going back to the great coaches in the National Hockey League. Got him and, all uh, people like that. Yeah. That's exactly uh, that's Absolutely. right. You're you're in you're in very delicate hands when you're up in that group and uh Coop already got there. He, he you know, this weekend and so Tampa Bay, even though they're struggling around that five hundred mark most of the season, uh, maybe he's gonna be able to rate the ship and I see today where they said that they're not making any trades with any of their key players prior to the trading deadline, that uh, they're gonna stay here for the remainder of the season. So uh, it looks like they're going to fight it out with what they have, Billy. And you know what? You mentioned Cooper 600 wins, right? Changing coaches every two weeks. You right. have no. to have stability in your organization. And, you know, you can't blame the coach because the team falls on tough times. All right? Well, that, let's that. follow up. Do you think Seriani is going to be staying? Say one thing, that that is a tough call. If I own the club, I think I have to give him his walking papers. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. He might be a great guy, but this team just totally caved in. It's one thing if they were lost, you know, respectably, you know, gave Tampa Bay a hell of a game and came down the wire. Tampa Bay could have put 50 points on the board against the Eagles. Easily. Yeah had a yeah. number of drop passes in the first half. That could have been an ugly, uglier game than it was. But, no, I, I, I think you have to turn the page with Sirianni, to be honest with you, because I don't know if these players believe in him anymore. And when players start not believing in the head coach, you've got major problems. Billy Warren, our special guest this half hour, is always Billy, one of the outstanding sportscasters in the Philadelphia area, but not only in Philadelphia, you spent a great uh, deal of time out in San Diego. And, uh, of course, they're in a coaching change. they got an owner that likes to change coaches in the middle of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, if you, if, you, if you had a club today, uh, uh, you know, we've got a great number of very qualified people from Belichick down, as you indicated in this first part of this half hour. If you were an owner of a team, what direction would you be going in? Uh, would it be? Belichick, Brable, or would it be Belichick, Harbaugh, or would it be Harbaugh and somebody else? Harbaugh is a very interesting guy because he's won at both the collegiate and the NFL level. Here's how an operation should work in pro football and all sports. The general manager goes out and procures the talent, whether it's through a draft or through free agency or trades. The coach coaches the players. Okay, the general manager could say, hey, this guy's struggling. Why are you keeping him in the lineup? Well, I have a feeling that he's going to turn it around. We have too many general managers that are meddling in every sport that they want to dictate to the manager. And we just saw it this year with a tremendous, tremendous managerial job that Bruce Bochy did. Remember, he went down and said to Chris Young, Chris, I'm going to run the baseball team. 
the way I feel is necessary, and we'll get this job done. I don't think even Bruce Day would win a World Series, right? But he told them, mm-hmm. I don't mind the information, but you're not going to dictate from upstairs what pitching change we should make. Blah, blah, blah. Don, you lived down in Tampa. Kevin Cash, Snell is breathing through the Dodgers. That's the third time through the order. we got to take him out. And what happened? The Dodgers won the game. You That's have right. to let the manager or the coach coach. The information is good for the game, but things change dramatically during a game. You have to go on your eyes and your feel. Roger, we'll let you and Billy close out this half hour. Go to it. Well, the uh, you you know answered my question. Uh, I I will say this. Uh, understand the Falcons have interviewed uh, Belichick, and I think. If they can get the quarterback uh, situation resolved, I think they have a lot of talent. The, uh, you know, some of that offensive uh, power they had has not been utilized by Arthur Smith, in my opinion, right at all. But um, what do you think? Uh, that, like, uh, you think that that Kelsey will come back, or do you think that he will retire? I think that that's that'll uh, really tell the tale. I think he has to walk. I think he has to walk away from it. Yeah, All right. I, I mean, you know, again, now he has a change of heart. I know it's tough to take that uniform off. But, you know, again, you can't keep going back to the well. We saw with the Phillies with Utley and Howard and Rollins. Yeah. We'll, we'll get yeah. one more year out of them. It doesn't work, Roger. Doesn't I agree. work when a player hits the wall, hits that wall <laughs> real, real hard, and he what? comes toppling down. Yeah. Plus, Billy, you said there's so many people uh, doing it for, I guess, the fourth quarter of last night's game in the clubhouse that it was uh, fate of fatale. He was going to do it. He was going to retire. So I, I, I think it's going to be tough to make him change his mind. Well, look, he's had a great career. Let's let's move on. All right. Do you have Hall of Famer. Play? Hall of Famer. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer. I hope one guy that should be in the Hall of Fame, and uh, they voted today, I believe. Is Eric Allen. Eric Allen yeah. of the Eagles deserves the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's a real injustice he's not in there. Yeah, they had the Billy, meeting in Atlanta you. because uh, Ira Kaufman, uh, who we uh, have on a lot, Bill, you know Ira. He, um, uh, but he he couldn't be with us tonight to talk to you too because he uh, was on his way home. Frank said, uh, and he won't get home till like eleven o'clock from. Uh, Atlanta. They had a two-day meeting on the seniors, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I agree right. with you about Allen. Thank you, gentlemen. Take. I enjoyed it. It's so always a Billy. Before you go, wait a minute, Billy. Before you go, let the people around the country and around the United States and the world, the world, the Billy Wardell introduction. WCAT ninety-five-three on the FM dial. WCAT fifteen twenty on the AM dial. 953WCAT.com, streaming worldwide. And also, Don, you can follow me on Twitter, the Werndell, W E R N D L. Have a good night. And also, WCCB uh, with uh, the, uh, the uh, Paul Jolovich. That's your All right. Thank you, guys. Okay. Okay. Thank take you care, Billy. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
Well, our, next cover, our next guest, though, we don't worry about age with our next guest because we're going to go up and down the slide and get a younger view of what's going on right now. And, uh, of course, Trevor Bossler Jay joined us last week. He's going to join us this week again, first of all, to talk about some of the playoffs in the National Football League, what he looked at as a young viewer, and then what he thinks about the USFL, which is going to get started next month. Okay, Trevor, let's get to it. What do you think of the playoffs so far? Uh, there was a lot of really bad games in the wild card, to to be blunt with you. Um, a lot of one-sided affairs. I mean, the Pittsburgh-Buffalo game was tight at halftime, and then Buffalo pulled away. But um, as a Lions fan, the only game that really mattered and was of any actual relevance to the sport, I feel like, in this past weekend was uh, the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Detroit Lions in Ford Field. That was a... Uh, game 35.8 million viewers I mean that's something that's rare it's the most viewed game since last year's Super Bowl it was a wild card game um, Detroit's first playoff win in 32 years uh, hard fought historic season from this team um, a lot of letdowns to the Cowboys getting smacked the way they did for Cowboys fans I'm not a Cowboys fan or anything like that but that was surprising uh, the Eagles uh, putting up a one of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen in my entire life. It looked like the Birmingham Stallions and the UFL could have probably gone up there and scored a touchdown, but uh, it, it was bad for a lot of teams and good for a lot of underdogs too. I mean, look at the Bucks, look at the Packers. I mean, San Fran has a, has a sleeping giant coming into town and I, I'm honestly predicting an upset in that game, but uh, we won't get into predictions. I'm sure we'll probably, you guys will probably do that later, but uh no, a lot of really fun football in terms of, you know, my Lions winning. But other than that, uh, I saw a lot of uh, really good teams show that they're, you know, on a different level from the others. Well, I think uh, you look at the playoffs, as you said, a lot of terrible football. And that's what happens, whether it's baseball, football, basketball. You bring in more and more teams into the playoff situation. I guess it's nice for the owners to make more money and the TV people to spend more money and the broadcasters to make more money broadcasting, but the games are terrible. The games are absolutely terrible. They're not worth watching. For the most part, as you said, the Lions game was was a good game to watch, but most of them are very poor. And uh, by the halftime, you, like especially the Eagle game, if you stayed on to watch the second half of the Eagle game, you you, you must be uh, <laughs> you must have to go to work the next day. Is all I could say. Roger, you're up. Well, I agree, Don, uh, and I'm sure, Trevor, you agree that quality uh, is awful. And when um, Troy Aikman is uh, really burying the National Football League and lack of uh, proper tackling technique and uh, lack of coverage, I mean, what does that tell you when, when they're getting buried on national television? It tells you a lot, and honestly, you hit on a great point there with the tackling. Um, defenders, on, obviously on defense, are defenseless in this game. Offense has all the protection. And the more and more rules we see, and, I mean, we, we can bring up the fact that they expanded the playoffs a lot and all that, but it really came down to this year defense, uh, for some teams, really elevated and shut down a lot of offensive play. This was a down year for offense. Um, and it showed. And obviously there was so many different starting quarterbacks, a lot of different injuries. And there's so many different things we can get into with the factors involved with that, with how the NFL is a monopoly as it is. It needs to switch to all like real grass. 
there's career-ending injuries and season-ending injuries happening every Sunday on terrible turf, which, you know, two inches underneath it is concrete, and it's it's really affecting play. There's so many other things, but honestly, just a shout-out to the defensive coordinators, and honestly, you someone I, I think someone said the Houston Texans earlier, um, but they had a phenomenal game. C.J. Stroud probably having the best rookie season of all time as a quarterback. Um, and just the the heights he's going to be able to extend to makes you question the quality of play you see out of so many other quarterbacks. Like how did they, how'd they draft this guy, number two overall, when, I mean, the Panthers got it wrong. They got it really wrong. And, you know, he comes in and does this. And for some teams, they have to sit around and, you know, mess around with, you know, uh, you know, just for example, like in Washington, they haven't had an actual quarterback there in quite some time or, you know, Atlanta with their mishap with Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. I mean, it really comes down to uh, competence with coaching and we're definitely seeing a, a dip in that, but it's a different era of football for sure. In its own way, there's big plays, you know, wide open guys screaming across the middle of the field because coverage is broken or in a lot of cases, I mean, guys are just getting to the quarterback so fast. I mean, guys like Max Crosby, Joey Boza, Nick Boza, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, there's so many X-factor guys. Um, and just, you know, it, it, it definitely will – you'll see the, the scales kind of tip in one favor or the other in a lot of these cases. And in this past weekend, it was definitely defense um, just balling out, you know, halftime adjustments being made for teams and being figured out at halftime is never a good thing. And we saw that happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We saw the Broncos, not the Broncos, excuse me, the Browns somewhat stay in it, but then they kind of, you know, Joe Flacco just threw too many picks. He was too errant with the football. And, you know, you just see stuff like that. And, you know, normally in years past, you never saw this kind of quality play. And if you did, you know, that team didn't deserve to be there. But it was definitely weird seeing the higher seeds get smacked around like they did, especially in the NFC East, like the Cowboys and Eagles. Well, Trevor, you bring up the Pittsburgh Steelers game against, uh, you know, Buffalo, and you look at the contrasting coaching there, and I'll tell you, Pittsburgh, what have they gone now? How many uh, how many consecutive years without having a losing uh, season, which is incredible for the coaching staff there. He's done a terrific, terrific job, and he said he is coming back next year. But the problem is, if you looked at that game, and you looked at the way Buffalo approached the game, Allen threw balls five to seven yards. He protected his receivers. He didn't get them out in the middle of the field somewhere where somebody's going to hit them where the temperature down there is 17, 16, 18 degrees. There's snow on the ground. The ground is frozen, and as you said, concrete under that. They had two players, two players out with concussions in the third quarter. I mean, you can't play, you can't play on, in that kind of condition without protecting your receivers. And, he, and they did not, and let's face it now, the Pittsburgh's working with a young quarterback that, you know, has very little time in the league, whereas Hallen's had a lot of time in the league and is, you know, destined for uh, bigger times to come. But you've got to protect your players, and they don't protect their players. They, they don't put, hang them out to dry. And if you do that, you're going to get people hurt. In between the blinks, a lot of guys do go down. A lot of guys, you know, uh, Zane Zilstra, tight end for the Lions last year, he had – two, three touchdown games towards ACL in the off season. I mean, a lot of players and a lot of things get, you know, left in between and, you know, kind of get buried, but it is a little concerning that, you know, you hear all the preaching about safety and, 
all this new technology, the analytics and all this pointing towards, oh, you know, we got to ban this type of tackling, this and this. But, you know, if we actually saw, you know, actual measures being taken place for replacing turf, turf needs to be banned. It needs yeah, to be Trevor, banned. talking about tackling in space. That's what it's all about, tackling in space. Well, if you're playing tackling in space in a game like that, you're going to get people hurt. <laughs> it's as simple as, and they're not going to take a chance of they're not going to take no, a chance on getting themselves hurt. They, they let them go by. Go ahead, you go by. Your next guy down the line, ten yards further down, he'll make the tackle. Don't worry about it. Roger, you're up. Yeah, you, you just uh, hand off. You don't want to uh, uh, take a, a hit and, and get hurt. Uh, you nope. see some of these defensive backs that are uh, uh, getting knocked One-handed out. One-handed tackles. One-handed, Roger. One-handed. I know. Uh, uh, yeah. Or or maybe. They try a real quick one with the shoulder, and then uh, it's just bouncing off and let him go. Let, you're exactly right. Let it to the next guy. Next, and, uh, and it's not next, next man up either. It's just uh, hopefully uh, somebody else can do the job. But it, it's a, a disgrace, and I go back to we talked about it, Don, uh, you know, after uh, on Monday night about uh, uh, Troy Aikman on national TV, I think, uh, what was it, four times he just absolutely uh, criticized the Eagles and the NFL uh, for uh, the uh, the poor quality. Because, you know, listen, ESPN doesn't want dog games uh, on Monday night. Uh, they're paying a lot of money to get some prime games. and And some of these are just a disgrace. Well, as he said, uh, I, I give him credit. You're right. Whether it was four times or five or three, I don't remember the exact number, obviously. But at the same time, he made it obvious that this has been going on all season. It's not something that just has happened during the playoffs. All or year. They, yeah. Right. You know, the, the, the quality of defensive tackling has almost been eliminated for a couple of reasons. One, they don't have any practice. You know, the spring training has gone to nothing. Uh, preseason has gone to nothing. Most of the veteran players don't even play until the first game. So, I mean, you, what are you going to have? You're going to have mediocre play, that's all. I agree with the argument of mediocre play, but at the uh, and the other end of the argument, um, I will also say Troy Aikman is a complete hypocrite in my eyes. The season career high of him for touchdowns was like 20. We see guys putting up 50, 45, 48. The game's changed. There's guys way faster, way smaller and faster, and equally as strong. Defensive backs have to be fast, agile. You know, granted, they're not going to want to hit all the time, and I know that that's a part of the game, but the coverage is a part of the game. IQ, I mean, granted, the, the fall off and hits and tackling, and that comes down to coaching for sure, and as well as, you know, high effort and motor. But at the end of the day, well, you can't really touch anybody. You can't touch anybody after they go three yards over the line of scrimmage. You can't. You can't chuck anybody. You can't do anything. How are you going to? How are you going to protect them? The other end of the argument is that the fact is, no matter what kind of hit, if you hit the quarterback, if you go low, if you do a chop block, if you avoid a chop block, if you jump the line, you get flagged. Defensive players get flagged for nearly everything they do. The refs go crazy for it. So you have to be smart. Time your contact. I mean. There's arguments and factors that weigh that argument out in my eyes, and I, I think that's why you know you see the game changing in that direction. Don't get me wrong; there's mediocre play across the board, 
But at the end of the day, the game is the way it is now because it's about fast-paced offenses that can create play-action space. And if you have an elite running back, you have an elite running back. Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Jameer Gibbs, guys like that are luxuries now. Aaron Jones going off for the Packers. He had two touchdowns all year. He had three against the Cowboys. I mean, we see this explosiveness, and defenses have to adapt or die. You're not going to have your guy on man coverage as much as you used to. He's not going to get as physical. He's going to be waiting in zone for safety help to to either ball hawk, pick the the pass, or make time contact to disrupt the, 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 the completion. But it, it really well, McCaffrey was clear to play this week. Had his calf injury, supposedly. Is, uh, he did not play last week, obviously, but he uh, is ready to play this week, they say. So he'll be ready to go. Right, One of the most effective players, obviously, in the National Football League in a long time. Roger? I'll say if I was uh, Christian McCaffrey, I would uh, consider uh, if he wants to keep playing, fine. But if I was him... Uh, after uh, what his tenure has been and to uh, leave this year, next year, but in the short term, because you know the way running backs are and how quick they go down. And I know he's special, but I would want to leave there in one piece because what I see is he takes tremendous hits and, uh, and he's had a couple of injuries this year. So, uh, and and Kelsey every year, has, every year he's had every a couple year, injuries. Yeah, yeah, and he and he's getting older, but uh, and uh, that's what Kelsey said. Uh, he does not want to leave uh, with uh, hardly being able to walk, and he said it takes him now to Wednesday or Thursday uh, to recover to even feel like going to practice. Now that tells you something. After what thirteen years. And uh, you're, you're like uh, what, 35, 36 years old. You know, you gotta ta- you gotta get take it, and get your money, and take it, take it home with you because Christian McCaffrey probably winds up uh, doing TV and making a lot of money uh, on his name as he started to you know make already. And of course, his father was Ed McCaffrey, the uh, tremendous um, wideout, and also um, in the NFL, and also uh, he's on Sirius XM, so. Um, you know, also a Stanford grad. Let's talk a little bit about the U, UFL because, uh, Trevor, you've been following that a little bit, although not really much to say about it now because they don't really start for another month yet. But uh, where do we stand now? What's that? They're doing a lot of advertising on the NFL playoff games to uh, try and hype up the interest for it. But uh, how's it stand right now? Well, actually, I'm glad you asked because um... – I, the last time we talked about it, I was talking about their uh, their draft, uh, which did conclude. They finished their super draft, um, which was 13 rounds, um, which was – we talked about that uh, last week, but it really consisted of drafting players still under contract. There is going to be a free agency period, which is already underway. We've already seen some uh, movements. Excuse me. Uh, but it, the big signings – uh, I'll just go over a few. Um, the first overall pick was quarterback Jake Dormandy. He uh, played for the Orlando Guardians last year. Interesting story behind the guy. He got accused of giving the playbook to another team. Uh, allegations were proven completely false. And then the game he was allowed to play, because he didn't play all season up to that point, uh, he came in and threw for over like 400 yards. The, the team was terrible, but uh, – he was a bright spot for sure. So he's going to be on the San Antonio Brahmas. 
the Birmingham Stallions brought back some of their guys, the Quandre White, uh, Bo Scarborough's back in Birmingham. He's a name guy. Um, we saw them bring back a quarterback, Jalen Morton, uh, Vinny Papali. Uh, gladly, we talked about him. He's on Memphis Showboats, and um, they had a really good draft. They drafted a lot of defensive players, and I'm not going to lie. I think between Me- Memphis and Michigan, I would probably say those two teams and Houston – those three teams had the best draft. I don't want to say any negative things in the Birmingham Stallions. They, do, they did use a lot of their draft picks just to bring back current players that were still under contract, but they didn't pick them up in the offseason yet. So they wanted to just secure them on their roster, which was a smart play by Skip Holtz. He, he's a, he's a, he knows what he's doing. He can build a roster. They have the best roster in the league, hands down. But in terms of having the best draft and, and on improvement, I would say Memphis, Michigan, and Houston, three teams stood out to me a lot. They drafted a lot of key position players. A lot of special teams guys uh, went in this draft as well. Punters like Kyle Kramer, uh, kickers like Matt Coughlin, uh, and and those guys played well in the USFL. That's all predominantly USFL players get drafted. Um, Not a lot of XFL guys have been you know, kind of retained from the teams that they dropped. And, you know, you can't forget they did drop four. Um, so that's a lot of guys that don't have a job. But I am seeing a lot of movement to the CFL from former USFL and XFL players as well. Roger? Uh, Trevor, are they uh, drafting any uh, college players at all at this time and taking a chance or is that not in the rules and then they have to wait until after the uh, NFL draft in May? How does that work? The, they, a couple college guys were taken in realistic grasp. Um, I saw a offensive lineman from Northwestern, a cornerback from Clemson. Um, but like you said, the, the NFL draft is what matters to college athletes, especially in football. So they're going to wait for that first. And obviously if they don't get drafted or if they don't get picked up as an undrafted free agent, they can fall back on the UFL, which the season will start pretty much right after that time period as well. So they can put out some tape and get picked up, you know? Well, that's going to close out this segment. Uh, Trevor, thank you very, very much. Once again, good information on the National Football League as well as the USL. FL, and uh, they'll be uh, getting ready to go next month. A lot of advertising on the uh, NFL playoff games, and the football will continue over the summer. So we'll go from there. Now we're going to switch to soccer care, because Mike Zimzak is all ready to go down in uh, Washington, D.C. A lot of news in Washington as well. And, uh, Roger, I'm going to turn this over to you and Frank for the last hour. And, uh, Mike, go get them. Okay. Mike. Uh, hey, how you doing? What's going Roger? on with the uh, Commanders, and uh, yes, you know, w- with the way that they have structured structured the committee, and um, how are things uh, shaping up, and and how does it look to you? Well, they just announced the hiring of Adam Phillips as their GM. He was one of the top two candidates that the committee had advertised, and so that was pretty well received. The committee itself has been well-received. Remember, a lot of people were thinking about this as, like, the committee that they put in place was um, there to hire with um, Rick Spielman and and, um, Bob Myers was there to hire the coach. No, they were going to identify a GM, and then Josh Harris, once he got 
the GM that he wanted was going to kind of allow the GM to take the lead on hiring the coach. Now it's possible that that move kind of theoretically could assist them behind as one of the uh, top candidates that they wanted might have gotten snapped up last week, but it doesn't look like any of that happened. They're going to be able to interview the um, candidates that they want, and they got somebody who they feel is a viable candidate for GM. And let's be honest, this is the first time that they've had legitimate GM player personnel guy uh, in quite a while. Somebody who's not going to be just basically a um, a yes man, and will, who will be empowered to make not only coaching decisions but also some um, contract decisions, player personnel decisions, things like that. So the um, front office is going to be structured more typical of how you would expect, where you're going to have a GM who's working on the player side, personnel and development side, and a coach who's going to be more the coach who's going to be in, in charge of the practices, the um, 63-man roster, things like that. Um, this was not what had been the case uh, previously. You know, uh, Ron Rivera, although he was the coach, um, he was also the director of football operations, so he hired the GM. He had the final say on pretty much everything. And we saw from a roster-building standpoint how that went. This is a team that has a few skilled players on it, um, a very high draft pick, and then uh, ostensibly a lot of cap room to work with. You'll see a lot of people talking about the fact that the uh, Washington Commanders right now have about um, $100 million in cap space, right? And all the GMs were excited because they have $100 million in cap space. But the problem is the way Ron um, and – Marty Herney and Mark Menju um, structured all the contracts. They also have like 24 free agents. So half the team are free agents right now. So you're going to have to use a lot of that money just to fill out the roster. Right. Well, let me ask this. From, uh, I read a couple of articles uh, that the, the um, a lot of uh, reporters, quote-unquote experts, they felt that the the way they did that committee was uh, those two gentlemen and Spielman and uh, the other fellow, along with, uh, I guess, uh, some other people, they think that that's the way the NFL teams and sports as a whole is going to be operating in the future. They were very impressed with that because that, it was uh, out-of-the-box type of a, uh, a process, number one. And, you know, we've talked about earlier in, in the show about all these different uh, coaching prospects, Belichick, uh, you know, Vrabel, everybody. And, but nobody said anything about Ron Rivera. What, is he uh, retired or has he indicated anything or is he still interested in coaching? I don't know what uh, – let me start with the Ron Rivera aspect of it. Um, there's been no indication that Ron has, has hung it up, but there's also been no indication that he's interested in coming back in any capacity other than as a head coach, which might be a problem. You know, he's in his 60s. He's had the battle with cancer. Right. But on top of that, 
his on-field results just haven't necessarily been good. He had um, only three winning seasons with the uh, with the Panthers before he came here, and none while he was here. He was left in charge of player personnel and given a lot of power, and the team regressed. So the last thing that anybody's going to see from Ron, and Ver- Ron Rivera is – a defense that collapsed in on itself, possibly because of his over-reliance and reluctance to get rid of Jack Del Rio, who should have been gone a while ago. His failure to pick up key players with his first and second round picks to address certain um, holes on the team. Um, And then the guys that he did get, for the most part, have not panned out he had to trade away um, two of his marquee draft picks in, in um, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, who just didn't pan out but needed to go. And so it's just the optics, the evidence that we have for Ron Rivera isn't that, as a head coach isn't particularly great right now. So if he really wanted to coach again, I get the feeling that he would have to take a step down and become a defensive coordinator someplace, but I don't really necessarily feel right now like he's that interested in doing that. He's yeah. got his money. You know, he's not, like I said, he's in his 60s, he, so he's not a younger guy. You know, he's not in his 40s, he's not in his 50s, and he's been a head coach for what, um, 11, 12 years? You yeah. Know, I just don't think that he necessarily wants to take that role. So my guess is he's going to take some time off. He's going to relax. He's going to go out. He's going to play some golf. He's going to enjoy himself. Um, and then he'll make a decision. If he wants to get back into the NFL, I'm sure there's an avenue for him. There will be defensive coordinator positions open, and that's where he can go. Um, he may like that because he doesn't enjoy the, the uh, he doesn't have to deal with all of the pressure and all he can do is you know one specific side of the ball and focus just on that and let somebody else deal with all the rigmarole. Or he could just decide, you know what, I've had enough. If I get back in, I'm going to want to do TV and um, I can do some analysis and that way I can ha- I can kind of set my own schedule. Well, you know, he can probably get a job as a, uh, you know, a replay official, too. I mean, they have enough of them. They have enough of those spots throughout the league at at various venues. Yeah, he's pretty well respected within the league. The players like him. There's a lot of things that he could do. As far as the hiring committee, like, I've seen where everybody was agreeing with you. Like, this is really revolutionary. This is not. I think it was interesting. But again, I don't necessarily. I guess it depends on your view of this. I don't. I don't feel like it was as earth-shattering, ground-shaking. You know, this is going to be the new next big thing, as a lot of people do. Um, I think that a lot of places hire firms. You know, we talk about um, college football them hiring search firms to find this player, that player, that AD, or this coach, or that coach. That's basically what he did. You know, Rick Spielman's an NFL guy, 
Bob Myers is a player personnel guy. I understand that Bob Myers built a team in NBA basketball, and there's a vast difference between you know what it takes to build an NBA team and what it takes to build a uh, NFL team. But they're Absolutely. not asking Bob Myers to come in and be the GM. They're asking Bob Myers for his opinion on, do you think this guy has what it takes to be a leader and set a culture from a front office perspective in an organization? And, you know, some representatives from the ownership were there. It was interesting. I, it's that earth-shaking that, you know, everybody's like, this is going to be the future. And Josh Harris suddenly had this idea that's like the next thing, NFL 2.0. I guess I would say I'm surprised that nobody else has ever thought to do that. And then if it's that earth-shaking, maybe that's another clear sign of sort of the insularity of the NFL where they think that in order to have an opinion on how to be involved in an NFL organization, you have to have a background in the NFL and no other opinions count because there's plenty of great, there's plenty of people out there who have had run successful organizations who can come in. If they had said that they were hiring Bob Myers to be the GM, I might have some questions about, you know, what does he understand about putting together a 90-man off-season roster, the intricacies of the NFL draft and stuff like that, but they were just asking a guy to come in and help them pick, help them interview and help them pick a general manager who is then going to set up the most of the front office. Yeah, like a board of directors uh, group Mm -hmm. uh, uh, picking a uh, new president. Uh, of a, a corporation, and just like you said, like a, a head hunting uh, organization to an extent. No, the, I've uh, been in I'm, plenty of on, I've been in plenty of um, interviews where you know somebody may be sitting in the interview for a teaching position who's not a teacher or has no background in education. They're just a community member, but they're there to offer their wisdom on what might be or something like that. So I'll do so be it. You know, you know what, Mike? Um, my services can be uh, purchased, okay, mm-hmm. to evaluate teachers because uh, <laughs> now I feel that after uh, previously in Hall County, but now in the last uh, two and a half, going on three years, I have seen, especially uh, when you're right there on site, you know what is a good teacher and what is not necessarily a bad teacher, but not a great teacher, if you know what I mean. Okay. So, I know but exactly I, what listen, you mean, but it's the same yeah, thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I wanted to get over, because mm-hmm. uh, we haven't really spoken about soccer much in recent weeks with you. And mm-hmm. um, there's, a, there's a, starting to have some things go on, because uh, they're going to be going to training camp uh, next month. Uh, the uh, Like the union will be in Florida uh, near Clearwater and everything, but there has been uh, some action with some uh, key uh, uh, add-ons. I know, especially with the Atlanta United, uh, I've got you know get their press releases, and uh, they've made some good personnel decisions. At least that's what it appears to me, uh, you know, from a, 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 a fan's perspective or 
you know, not necessarily an expert in soccer like you. Well, the um, so the transfer window, which is the this is the one in the middle of the year where pretty much every team worldwide can register uh, new players. Um, Atlanta United has been uh, active. They've they've made a couple of um, of signings. Um, I'm looking, I'm seeing like Dax McCarthy, who was a former U.S. men's national team player. Um, They've signed a couple of loanies. They're trying to figure out what to do now um, that to uh, um, how, how they can push forward because after a couple of years where they were at the uh, the top of the MLS, it's been a disappointing couple of seasons. Uh, you know, and they need to figure out the right mixture to get all of that back together. I know that uh, um, Brad Guzan, the uh, longtime U.S. men's national team goalie, uh, was gone, so we're going to replace him with a younger keeper. Um, I still think that there are some moves to be made between now and the end of the month as they get ready to go to um, training camp um, early to mid-February. So we're still um, waiting to see how these rosters are going to to shape up. Uh, I think the big signing that everybody was looking at was um, recently was down the road from y'all a little bit in Fort Lauderdale in Miami. Luis Suarez, uh, who's probably Lionel Messi's, one of Lionel Messi's best friends. I mean, I think Suarez was best man at his wedding. Um, he signed pretty much a, a minimum deal to, to play for Inter-Miami to link back up. So we're going to, you know, it's that old – we're getting the band back together mm-hmm. back one more time. But it's like, you know, when the Blues Brothers got the band back together the first time in the 80s, it was really, really cool. But could you imagine if they tried to do it again today? Like the arthritis would be killing them. So it's mm-hmm. more like the Blues Brothers trying to get the band back from the 80s together in 2008 when they should probably be in the rocking chairs. We'll see how this works out. Uh, I think it's more of a uh, short-term thing. It's a short-term Let's try and win a couple of trophies together and probably lift an MLS Cup thing more so than a long-term thing. Um, I know that I'm almost up against it because um, uh, our good friend Doug is going to be coming on soon. Roger, there was a, and Frank, there's a really, really interesting announcement, not from soccer today, but uh, from the world of rugby. One of the really young, promising Welsh rugby players decided to quit playing rugby right when they were announcing the squads for the next big tournament. He's going to try out at 22 for the, for the, um, he's leaving to go to IMG Academy. He's going to try out for the NFL draft. Mm. Well, Hey, listen, uh, you know, the, uh, Jordan Malata came from Australia. It took a few, in a few years uh, to make in, him into a pretty good uh, left tackle, but uh, he did. He worked hard at it. Uh, of course, he's got size. Does this guy, excuse me, this guy have good uh, uh, physical uh, numbers? Well, uh, yeah, his name is Louis Reese Zamet. He's a um, he's a freak athlete on the wing, 
But um, Jordan Mailata, A, played a different type of rugby. B, had been told to start playing when he was in his later high school, college age type years. Yeah. And then came to IMG. So he wasn't like the equivalent of a college senior who had already been playing one type of sport one way for a number of years and then trying to play a different one, number one. Number two, um, his size and particular position that Maialata played in um, rugby league lent itself more towards the blocking aspects that he was asked to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think his skill set translated a little bit better. You're looking at a guy who would be probably best utilized as a running back or in kind of that way he plays wing, which means that he's the speed guy. He's used to catching the ball and running. Um, so he'd be, be a particular, he might be good as a running back, um, but you're probably going to have to put some weight on him. And then there's going to be the blocking aspects of it, which um, they, they don't, they don't necessarily do. I can, they were pointing out, like, it's very hard. The number of players who have actually um, managed to successfully make that change is very, very few, but he, you know, at 22 years old, um, he's he's got wide receiver size, but he plays running back. He's about six three, two sixteen, so he's got the perfect size to play run wide receiver. But the position that he's used to playing is most akin to a running back. I can't imagine putting a six three guy who's about two fifteen in the backfield and playing him at running yeah. back. But I might, you know, he's a really quick kid. Um, I just don't think that. You know, he's going to have to learn how to run routes. What's a route tree? Blocking this sort of stuff. That's a lot to learn in a couple of months. Yeah, we have a uh, young man uh, at one of the local high schools that does quite a lacrosse player, um, and was talking to uh, one of his teachers, and uh, he had been at the IMG Academy, I guess, for a year or two. And I know uh, a friend of mine from my career. Uh, his son, well, he's now 30 or maybe a little older, uh, but he went to the IMG uh, for a couple of years uh, when they were living in New Jersey, and then he, he came out. I think uh, he was there freshman and sophomore and then went back to his high school in his junior. or He was there sophomore and junior and came back as a senior, uh, but he's a tremendous soccer player. And uh, he's on that, in that uh, semi-pro a league. They live in Charleston, and he's also, I believe, with uh, for his employment, he's with a soccer equipment firm. And uh, but I know he was great in high school, and uh, you know, and, and I, I know his uh, father. I don't know the mother. I know who she is. Uh, and then yeah. you know, he had a younger brother, and and then a sister went to Clemson. I had but, a kid uh, who you know, went to IMG for soccer and you know now he's got a scholarship to Penn State and you know not all of them are going to be pros not all of them are going to declare early some kids just get that opportunity and it gives them the skills to take another step forward in their yeah. academic career and so, yeah well that's that's but, what it's all about so well listen you're right Doug's with us 
So, uh, Mike, have a great week. Always uh, a pleasure. And with soccer really ginning up now uh, with the MLS season upon us in uh, a month or so, uh, you know, we'll have a lot more to talk about. So uh, take care. Have a great week. Yeah, make sure you check and see if Doug's dug out yet. You know, yeah, that Doug, Doug, is, <laughs> Doug is with us. That Doug, are you there? The that we got in this area is really, really wreaking chaos. Yeah, Go ahead, we, got out the, we got the snow shovels out. We had, uh, I measured four inches, and uh, I think we have a few more coming on Friday. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens here. Um, I think the, the Ravens are going to be playing some football in, in uh, some really chilly, frigid temperatures and, and possibly some wind. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll, we'll be in the warmth of our house watching that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, they, it was uh, 13 this morning when I left to go to school mm-hmm. and yesterday they did virtual because, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, heavy rain and everything. But, uh, uh, I'll tell you, I, uh, I had the park out today, even though I wore a pretty warm jacket, uh, I was mm-hmm. glad to have the park out. But anyway, Mike, yeah. take care. We'll talk to you next week, and I uh, hope you have a great week. Okay. Uh, Doug, uh, talking yeah. about the Ravens, uh, you mm-hmm. know, they had the bye. Now it's uh, it's their time to uh, excel. Uh, there are some people I've heard on the uh, different uh, sources that uh, think the Ravens may have trouble in this game because of the bye, and they look at uh, uh, Jackson's uh, history uh, you know, uh, in the playoffs. What do you think? I think those people are probably Houston Texans fans or probably un- uneducated. <laughs> um. <laughs> they always spoke highly of you, Doug. <laughs> well, look, there's um, – I would, I would call it uh, cautious uh, optimism uh, here in Baltimore uh, only because, you know, you look at a bye week – and, um, gosh, we, we went through this in 19. We went through this this summer with the Orioles. And um, it, it provides you the opportunity to get a lot of your individuals healthy. Um, you know, Mark Andrews practiced in full today, and that, that could be something that's, that's a good thing. I think uh, Marlon Humphrey has not practiced uh, a whole bunch, um, even in a limited capacity because of his calf. Um, but all in all, I think they're going to roll into this game pretty healthy. And I know that, that Coach Harbaugh was, was trying to keep them on schedule um, in terms of, of not allowing that rust to formulate. Uh, again, after that 2019 season, we had, you know, the, the same situation and, and lost uh, to uh, Tennessee in that first uh, round. Um, so, you know, I think you're going to, you know, the pulse that I get from the stations that I listen to and, and media outlets is that we are incredibly excited about what we've done in the regular season. We are incredibly excited about hosting a home playoff game. Um, incredibly excited about, you know, only a couple wins from, you know, being in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, so I think there's a lot of really positive things that are, that are going on there. But then on the other side, you look at it and say, okay, well, we haven't played a game in two weeks, and even that game didn't count because a lot of our starters didn't play. Um, I don't know. My, my, my feeling is that Baltimore peaked at the right time. They were playing some of their best football. Um, you know, Roger, that, that same echo of 
of individuals would have said, uh, yeah, I don't know, Jacksonville's pretty tough. I don't know if we could beat them. Yep, we beat them. Uh, we got to go to San Francisco. I, they're pretty good. I don't know if we could. Yep, we beat them too. And then you're like, you oh, Miami coming in. Miami's a high score. They scored 70. Yep, we beat them too. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, we Houston is definitely a different team now than the first game we played against. So C.J. Stroud has grown up immensely uh, over the course of the season. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a different football game, and I totally understand that. But you know, writing this down on paper, you know, you can fold that up into a paper airplane if you want to. But you know, the the Houston Texans have one Pro Bowler, and it's their left tackle. They, um, you know, they don't do anything particularly well. Um, but but they've you know obviously gotten to this point. I think Nico Collins is a problem. Um, a bigger bodied, you know, wide receiver that, that uh, is going to present a problem. I think that um, Dalton Schultz is a pretty good tight end. Um, I think we have fantastic linebackers that that's not going to be a problem. Um, their offense Houston's offensive line isn't incredibly special. They don't run the football particularly well. Um, so, I mean, again, on paper, uh, you know, and look at it, this is the Ravens are nine point favorites. Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> I know they have to play the football game, but as we sit here tonight and talk about it, with the way the Ravens have played down the stretch, um, I mean, I, I would I would think they would win this game 31-10. I mean, I don't know. I mean, um, I may have to eat those words, but, but that's – I don't know. I just, I just have – I think the Ravens are – on a mission to win this Super Bowl this year because they know this is a window that's closing rapidly. This, the team next year is not going to look anything like this one. I mean, we got lucky with Jadavion Clowney uh, on, on a one-year deal. We got lucky with, you know, uh, Van Noy on a, you know, all these players that came in that played amazing are not going to be here next year. Justin Matabike is going to sign, you know, a couple hundred million dollar contract with somebody. Uh, Patrick Queen going to cash in with somebody else so i mean there's there's a lot to play for this year well i agree and the uh just look at the uh eagles we talked to roy cummings at the top of the uh, show uh he had the score basically right but he had the the wrong teams uh i I mean wrong team winning the game i mean you know so you just never know I personally yeah. think the Ravens will be in the Super Bowl. I think they have proven that, as you alluded mm-hmm. to, uh, and I am not. Uh, I think that the Chiefs have uh, uh, come down to earth, uh, so to mm-hmm. speak. I don't know whether sure. it has any influence from the loss of Eric Bieniemy or not. I don't mm-hmm. know that because, well, you know, Andy, Andy uh, is basically uh, uh, calling the plays and Bieniemy mm-hmm. uh, would implement it, and then it was – different when he was with the uh, commanders he is calling the plays but uh i you know i i i would like to see buffalo win uh Mm -hmm. and uh and then i think that would be a great match uh between the ravens and uh well the you know buffalo selfishly i think i think i wanted houston to beat cleveland i think i was more scared of cleveland's defense um you know than i was of, of of houston i think I'd like to see Buffalo beat Kansas City because I'd love to see the Ravens win and play against Buffalo at home and, you know, get a little bit of redemption for for the loss that they gave us in the playoffs. Um, 
you know, and then outside of that, I, honestly, I'd, I'd like to see Detroit uh, work their way through the NFC and, and I would represent too. them. Yeah. What a great story. Dan, Dan Campbell um, just vaulted to the, like, near the top of my list of, you know, coaches that, I mean, he is magnificent. Um, my, my wife tells me it like piece. it is. Yeah, yeah he's absolutely. My, yeah, there was a, a video. Apparently they were in the locker room and Dan Campbell gave Jared Goff the ball and he said, you're, you're bleeping good enough for Detroit, aren't you, Jared? You know what I mean? So yeah, just the way that he said it, you know what I mean? Knowing that, that basically the, the Rams cast him off and, and wanted Matthew Stafford as opposed to him. Um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, really, really good, positive, you know, gritty kind of guy that you'd like to play football for, you know, uh, fits that fits that team perfectly. Well, yeah, and he played in the NFL, you know, sure. and uh, I think that when you've had that ex- experience and you look at Tomlin, you know, Tomlin played, and yeah. uh, I think it really um, gives them a much better idea of uh, what's going on. That's why we talked earlier uh, that we like, we think a number, several of us would like to see Mike Rabel as the uh, new Eagles coach. And uh, he's that kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what I read was there's going to be some significant changes made to the Eagles staff. It didn't seem like um, Sirianni was going to be one of those that was going to be removed. Um. But some, then again, some Lurie, feel that he is. They they've got to get well, rid of him for the yeah, team. Yeah, it hasn't been decided yet. They lost six of the last seven games, and Jeffrey Lurie's probably still debating. I, I had seen a, a piece that Mike McCarthy will return as the Cowboys coach, and uh, Mike Tomlin will <laughs> return as the Steelers coach. Um, I, contrary to popular belief, I, I really do hate Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Mike Tomlin is to me a class mm-hmm. act. I, I love. Um, you know, he's he's one of my top five favorite coaches in the NFL. I just mm-hmm. think he – the way he carries himself, no BS, um, you know, how he handles the media. I just – I really have a lot of respect for him as a, as a head football coach, um, you know. So, you know, that's – that's I mean, him and, and Dan Campbell and um, – trying to think. Well, Dan, Dan uh, Quinn was at the, uh, high on the list, too, but uh, I think yeah. his stock went way down after that <laughs> Cowboys debacle. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, he, he had a pretty good run there as their defensive coordinator, so I don't know that you know we can throw stones at him because he had one bad game. Um, you know, I think he'd be a good fit in, in Seattle where, where he's going to interview. Um, I think he's probably deserving of, of a head coach job. Um, yeah, well, he the, was there as the uh, defensive coordinator, uh, sure. you know, with Pete Carroll before he got the the head coaching yeah, job I mean, with the Falcons. It's a finicky thing. I mean, look, you you have owners and and people that are um, going to be interviewing these guys, and and you know, look, they they all have ideas of X's and O's and and what they know. Um, I, I believe that's uh, probably fairly, you know, static across the board in terms of com- of a comparison point. But at the same time, I mean, how are you going to interview? What kind of personality do you have? How organized are you? Um, how do you carry yourself? You know, all, all those things I think are super important uh, to what they're looking for in terms of their fit. You know, um, you know, the but team, some of I think, are phonies the... about that too, Doug. You know, they're, <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they, they no, you know, it's just like in life. I mean, they can be a sure. great interviewee, uh, but a lousy interviewer. <laughs> right. Right. No, I, I get it. I mean, 
um, you know, it's like I say, I mean, uh, Mike McDonald from, from the, uh, the Ravens um, has interviewed uh, a couple different places. And, gosh, he, he uh, was wonderful in, in, at Michigan. He's had a couple really good years in Baltimore. Um, so, I mean, this, you know, I'd be, I met the guy, um, you know, I, I would, he's pretty sharp. And, and I think at some point he should probably get a head coaching job. I don't know that it's going to be this year, um, but I think he'll he'll probably make the final list of a couple different teams um, as they as they continue their process. Um, you know, as you know, uh, Roger, you know, guys like Dan Quinn and Bill Belichick and and, and guys like that are going to Harbaugh, uh, Jim Harbaugh. They're, they're going to win out because they've already proven themselves and they're they're an experienced. It's an it's an easier trigger to pull to say I'm I'm going to give you this opportunity because I know what your track record is. You know, you give that to. Uh, a guy like Mike McDonald, they're kind of like, oh, well, I just, you know, he was a good candidate. You know, look, I, he looks good. I, I really hope he does well. You know what I mean? But you don't know that. Um, well, that's right. So. And and there was a lot of talk or questions about uh, whether the uh, uh, replacement for Belichick with the Patriots, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, Mayo. I think it's, yeah, Mayo, yeah, the uh, whether he would clean house, including mm-hmm. the Belichick uh, sons. I would hope he does. Because no, they, there was a report think, that came out. That both of his sons are going to stay, is what they said. Oh, they are. Well, see, that's what what concerns me. Okay, mm-hmm. that uh, you're going to have Belichick on, but his sons mm-hmm. stay. So you still have the imprint of Belichick there. Yeah. I I would would hope that he would clean house. But yeah. I mean, it may be he keeps some of the of the coaches, but not Belichick's sons. Because it's like the old story, you want, you don't want to be the guy that replaces the legend. You want to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaced the legend. Right. And a perfect sure. example at Penn State was Bill O'Brien, who I have yeah. the utmost respect for because he took the Penn State job after Paterno. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, that was a one. nightmare. I have a lot of that's, respect for him. That's a tough spot to be in for sure. Um you know, following that, that's, yeah. Well, Hug, have a great week. Congratulations. Yep. I heard Thank the you. good news. And, yep. uh, you, you know, the uh, we're really happy for you. God bless. <laughs> have a great that. week. Yeah. Okay. And take care. Go dogs. We'll talk next week. You got it. Okay. <laughs> See you. And again, please Frank, uh, thank give you. Your, uh, Thanks your to all the guests. And have a great week. God bless. Doug, please give your wife and your and your your son uh, our very best, and uh, we're uh, yeah. wishing all the best in the world for all of you. No, I really appreciate that, Frank, and and uh, the uh, the toast, if you will, that you made via text to me was very well said, um, and I really appreciate, um, you know, just over the years, um, how you guys have welcomed me into your broadcasting family, if you will, and, and the things that you've said and done, and um, you know, it goes a long way, you know, because yeah. I don't know. I, just, I always have my, my measure of, of people is do they give a shit or not? And you clearly well, do. And I appreciate that. So if I'm in a foxhole, I would expect <laughs> you to be in it with me. It's a family. Yeah, you, well, you know what, Doug? I don't know if you know this. My older two kids are both adopted. And yeah. uh, so I uh, I know what it's <laughs> like. And, uh, yeah. you know, you're in a little different situation and you're, uh, you know, with obviously your adoption compared to mine. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's really a great thing to do. I know a lot of mm. uh, 
uh, friends that adopted children. And I just, mm-hmm. like Frank said, God bless. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, congratulations. We send out our best. Thank you. Much appreciated. Ladies and gentlemen, okay. Ladies and gentlemen this program is brought to you by Grateful Appreciation. The men and women of the United States Armed Forces, men and women of police and fire services, the doctors and nurses on the first line of COVID, and, of course, the wonderful people in the supermarkets to keep our, our shelves uh, full. These programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman Jeffrey Colkep, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazwitz, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Charles Chuck LaVake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman and Officer Kristen Lakeland PD, Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County PD, Deputy Josh Myers, Nassau County Sheriff's Department, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Artis Pope, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Chief Al Hogo, Longbow Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Deputy Mike Hargrove, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Blaine Lane, and Deputy uh, Chris Meyer, Polk County Sheriff's Department, Sergeant Chris Fitzgerald, Philadelphia Sheriff's Department, Sergeant uh, Rodriguez, Philadelphia Police Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, and the rose rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields. And the sun shine lightly on your face until we meet again. May the good Lord keep you and your family always in the palm of his hand. Good night. God bless and have a great week. Oh,
It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.